الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل إن صلاتي ونسكي ومحياي ومماتي لله رب العالمين وقال تعالى والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاث من كن فيه وجد بهن حلاوة الإيمان من كان الله ورسوله أحب إليه مما سواهما ومن أحب عبدنا يحبه إلا لله ومن يكره أن يعود في الكفر بعد أن أنقذه الله منه كما يكره أن يلقى في النار أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected Allah and Kiram, brothers and elders, mothers and sisters, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala out of His grace, out of His mercy, has allowed us to be part of a little discussion of deen, to be speaking about deen, to be listening to something about deen. This is a very great ni'mat and bounty and blessing from Allah Ta'ala. In the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَا تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That remind, for verily a reminder is very beneficial for the believers. This gathering is nothing but a reminder first and foremost for myself. I need it more than anybody else. And a reminder for all of us, this is nothing but a reminder of the same lessons that we have learned many, many times, heard over and over again, and which we should, inshallah, keep listening to till our last moments. In the Hadith Sharif that was recited, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that ثَلَاثٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ وَجَدَ بِهِنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِمَانِ There are three aspects. If this comes into any person, if he acquires it, then by means of acquiring these three things, he will acquire the taste of Iman. وَجَدَ بِهِنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِمَانِ The word halawa is an Arabic word. We might have heard it being used somewhere and it is very, very easily understood because the word halwa is very well understood by us. So halawa is very close to halwa itself. So we already get the meaning of something very sweet tasting. And that is exactly the meaning that is being given here, that the person who acquires these three aspects mentioned in this Hadith Sharif, he will acquire the sweetness of Iman. Sweetness of Iman? Does Iman have a sweetness also? Yes, indeed, Iman has a sweetness. We have understood the sweetness of the material things, the sweetness of things that we can eat, things that we can wear, that has a sweetness of its own. person wears something that he finds to be very attractive maybe, or something he finds to be in style. So by wearing it, there's a kind of feeling that goes through him. So that's a kind of sweetness he's experiencing out of it, as a result of it. There's a sweetness in the kind of vehicle a person drives, there's a sweetness in the kind of home a person lives in. All these things have its own kind of sweetness. But all these things are perishable. And the sweetness is also perishable. A person buys something that he feels was really, really worth every cent and worth paying the premium on it also. That car that he bought, that home that he bought, whatever else, material. So what is Whatever is within the limits of Shariat and Deen, whatever Allah Ta'ala has permitted, whatever is not crossing the line of the laws of Allah Ta'ala, that is fine. person has earned it in a halal way and is spending it within the limits of Shariat. So Deen hasn't forbidden him that. But the sweetness of that is very, very perishable. He buys that and feels so happy about it, so elated over it. And sometimes, let alone years, even months go by. And then he saw somebody else came out with a newer model. 
as soon as he sees this newer bottle having now driving down the road, the sweetness of his already is gone. Half the sweetness went away immediately. And the other half, as he sees one more model coming, the other half is gone already. That is how short-lived this sweetness of these material things are. The sweetness of that home, mashallah, is providing all the comforts, but suddenly now he's feeling bored. He's feeling now there needs to be some change. That garments he wore, and then now there's a new style in the market. As soon as the new style came, the whole sweetness of this got all lost. Now to start wearing the same thing because he's a person who's so conscious of all this, he feels it very difficult. He can't even wear it anymore now. People say he's outdated. He's out of style. So the things of dunya are perishable. The sweetness that comes along with it is also very perishable. Very, very temporary. And sometimes a person has all these so-called sweet things of dunya. But... Allah forbid some turmoil comes into his heart. And no matter how sweet everything is around him, it is tasteless for him. That food is tasteless for him. That car is tasteless for him. That home is tasteless for him. And everything suddenly lost his taste because of whatever turmoil came in his heart. So while these things have their own taste, which is very limited, very perishable, Rasulullah is inviting us to that which has real taste. And that, the taste of which is ever-living and which never perishes. As long as a person has it with him, that doesn't perish. That doesn't lose his luster. If he loses the, the aspect itself, that's up to him now. What he looks after. He looks after that iman. He keeps that halawat of iman in him what will bring that halawat of iman, then he will keep enjoying the taste of it. He let it go, that's up to him. So what we understand very clearly from this is, that this is something which, like a person chases after the material sweetness, there's something beyond that. There's something, a sweetness, which is far beyond imagination in terms of the material things. It is a sweetness that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. It is a sweetness that permeates the heart. And when that sweetness permeates the heart, then no matter how apparently tasteless everything around him is, everything becomes full of taste. Hazrat Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri, the Sheikh of our Marroom Sheikh, Hazrat Shah Ki Makhtar Sahib, so he was once eating some very, very simple food, some dal roti. Hazrat Hakim Sahib was sitting with him, so he said to him that, Hakim Akhtar, I am getting the taste of biryani from this. I asked him, but Hazrat, this is simple dal. How can you be getting the taste of biryani from this? How can you be really relishing this simple food? So my focus is on who is feeding me this. That behind this is the hand of my Allah. And this has come to me as a gift from Allah. So now it's not just what's in front and what's going on to the tongue. But the mind and heart is focusing on a very higher level. That has changed the taste of this entire meal, which to us is tasteless. But because of the focus of where this has come from, who has fed me this? That has put a different feeling in everything. And this is why the Ahlullah don't hanker after the material things and the luxuries and comforts of the material things. If something comes, Alhamdulillah, it's a na'mad, they use it. But this is not the focus of life. And this is not something that they hanker after. Because in no matter what it is, they have that comfort that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. That sweetness that comes directly into the heart. And that which makes everything around it also full of taste. Otherwise, if that sweetness is not in the heart, then everything else outside, that too will be tasteless. So here this is that sweetness of Iman. And what is the sweetness of Iman? According to some muhaddithin, this is something which is a figurative thing. That when a person adopts these three qualities that will be discussed just now, then the sweetness of Iman will come in the sense that he will get the taste of ibadat. He will now enjoy his ibadat. 
He will look forward to that ibadat. He saved himself from haram pleasure. Allah Ta'ala gives him the halal pleasure of ibadat. He will now be eager to recite the Quran Sharif. Novels won't give him any taste. He won't be looking forward to reading something as detrimental and destructive as a novel that will harm his deen, harm his haya. It will wreck his whole morals and character. And this is not just some hearsay or just some figment of some imagination. These are everyday instances. When people finally do come and discuss something somewhere, they say, well, actually, what became the slipping point? Things were going fine, but what really slipped? Where The point where I slipped, one day I was reading a novel, and then I got so caught up in what was that scene that was being described there, the next thing I wanted to try this out myself. And that became the tripping point. And from there it was a steep downhill. Until Allah Ta'ala now gave me the tawfiq to again open my eyes and see where I fell and how hard I fell. Now I'm trying to pick up the pieces again. But the tripping point seemed one innocent, one innocently or innocent looking novel. That became the tripping point. Somebody, the tripping point became those moments in front of the box. Something caught his eye and now even in sajda also, the face of that woman is not disappearing from his head. So, this is the aspect that when a person has saved himself from haram pleasure, Allah Ta'ala gives him this halal pleasure. Now he is looking forward to reciting the Quran Sharif. Now in taking the name of Allah Ta'ala, this is what gives him true joy. Taking the name of Allah Ta'ala fills his heart with happiness, brings that noor into his heart. And to hear things that will be, will displease Allah Ta'ala, that music and the obscene talk, all kinds of filthy things, that will cause him pain and taklif. So this is one meaning of halawat imani this taste and sweetness of iman, that he will get the taste of ibadat. Other muhaddisin explain, you see, this goes without saying. This is an obvious end result of this, an obvious effect of this halawat imani you see, it's beyond that. This is there, this is obvious. The halawat of iman and the taste and sweetness of iman is a physical experience. Just as a person eats something sweet, this is a physical experience, he tastes something. He feels the sweetness of it almost going through every pore of his body. This halawat of iman is also a physical experience. And they say, well, if somebody didn't experience it, so then... For such occasions, one little Arabic couplet is uh, said that إِذَا لَمْ تَرَ الْهِلَالَ فَسَلِّمْ لِأُنَاسٍ رَأُوهُ بِالْأَبْصَارِ At the time of Eid, everybody doesn't see the moon. Few people get to see it. Sometimes half a dozen people saw it only. But the whole country celebrates Eid. Why? Because they trust in those half a dozen people. So they accept their word. Yes, these people have seen the moon. So the muhaddithin who state, who state that this is a physical experience, you see, those Ahlullah who have tasted this, and who have related this real physical experience, we trust in them. We take their word that this is more than just, it is obviously it will bring that sweetness of ibadat. Beyond that, there is a sweetness that actually is felt in the heart. And when this sweetness comes, this is the halawat of iman, which is a real flavor of iman, once this settles in the heart, then inshallah this true reality of iman comes in. And this is the energy that then drives a person. So the three things that Nabi Islam says, if a person acquires these three things, then this halawat of iman will come. What are the three things? The first thing is Mankan Allah wa Rasuluhu Ahabba ilayhi mimma siwahuma. The one who Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have become more beloved to him than everyone else. Everyone else includes his parents, his children, includes the wife or the husband, includes the family, includes friends, 
includes every single person. That Allah and His Rasul wasallam are more beloved to Him than the whole of humanity together. So when Allah Ta'ala has become more beloved to a person, then obviously He will give preference to Allah Ta'ala and whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded to everything else. He will give preference to whatever Rasulullah Wasallam has taught to everything else. When the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala has now settled in his heart. And this muhabbat is really the energy. Everything, this whole world is running around energy. Wars are fought over energy, over oil. Because that's the energy, source of energy. And that's the fear of governments. If this oil gets disrupted, everything will grind to a halt. So now wars are fought over this. And many places excuses are made for wars to be fought so that the oil can be taken away. So this energy is everything rotating around this energy. This insan also, if that inner energy is there, then he will move. The inner energy is the energy of muhabbat. To the extent there is a muhabbat of Allah wa ta'ala, then to move to the masjid at the time of Fajr, Zuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, he will not have to force himself, the energy will move him. When he is tempted towards haram, the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala will drive him away from there. It's very simple to understand this. A person is insan, insan is insan. He is mashallah very happily married and he is suddenly tempted towards haram and sin. But he dearly loves his wife also. And at that moment he realized that his wife is observing and watching what's going on. That how he is being enticed and tempted. Would he remain sitting there? Maybe if he was sure she's not watching, then Allah knows best what would have happened. But now he is not prepared to risk losing that love. So he'll run out of there. What drove him out? What made him leave that place of sin? What made him shun that temptation? What made him trample that desire? What made him give up all those fantasies that he had at the time? Because there was this, this too is a very, very temporary love. And sometimes a very feeble love too. But to some extent it's there that made him walk out from here because this will become a very big loss to him. He can't risk losing this love that he has. Can't risk breaking that marriage of his. So this, one day or the other, this part, this parting will happen. Whereas the situation with Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is our creator, Allah Ta'ala is ever living, and we have to face Allah Ta'ala in dunya also, and on the day of Qiyamah also, and Allah Ta'ala is forever there. Now when a person for that temporary love of dunya, it drives him out of problems, keeps him away from sin. When the love of Allah Ta'ala has settled in his heart, why won't he run from whatever is going to disrupt that love? Then he will act on fafirru ilallah, flee towards Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, this is the first aspect that is mentioned, that Allah and his Rasul Wasallam become more beloved to him than everyone else. These are the days of Qurbani and the lesson of Qurbani is what we keep hearing in this time and this is the entire lesson of love. This entire incident of Ibrahim and the lesson of Qurbani is all a lesson of love. He's being instructed, leave your wife and child in this barren place. Right? Love for, the, for a person's wife, for his child, this is natural. This is human nature. Allah Ta'ala has instilled this. Allah Ta'ala has made these loves natural. But Allah Ta'ala That the believers, their love for Allah Ta'ala is more intense over and above everything. All these natural loves are in its place. But the love of Allah Ta'ala is dominant over everything. 
And this is the lesson we go through when slaughtering that animal to reflect upon the test Ibrahim Islam went through. It was a test of love. That leave your wife and child in this barren place. Where nothing is growing here. No means of survival. And he, after having left them there, he even moves away from there, out of sight. And he himself expresses this. رَبَّنَا إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ عِنْدَ بَيْتِكَ الْمُحَرَّمِ Allah, I've left my family here in this valley. بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ This place where nothing is growing, no vegetation, totally barren. In other words, there's no means of survival here. But Allah, I left them on your command. This was the test of love and he lived up to the test. Passed the test. His wife passed the test. When he leaves her there and she's, he's walking away. Now she wants to know, but are you leaving us here? In this place there's nothing to survive on. These little provisions will just get finished just now. And with this little baby, and you're going away? And she asked him once, are you leaving us here? He's no answer because he was commanded not to say anything. Second time, no answer. Then she rephrases the question. And the question now is, that Allah Ta'ala commanded you to do this? So he indicates yes. Now her response is, the answer of love. If that is the case, Allah Ta'ala won't allow us to perish. If Allah Ta'ala has commanded you go. She also has a love for her child. And outwardly it seems like if we're going to be left alone here, we're going to perish. This child will perish. She also has a love for her husband. But the love of Allah Ta'ala is dominant. Allah Ta'ala has commanded we must be left here. On the command of Allah Ta'ala, we're ready. Whatever else happens can happen, but Allah Ta'ala's command is above everything. The child is growing up now. The father had to be separated from him. This child that was born when the parents were at an old age. So how much more muhabbat there is now. And now, after the separation for a good amount of time, now Ibrahim comes back and Ismail salam is of that age where he can run around with the father. He can be of benefit and assistance to him. Now comes the command slaughter him. Very, very easy to speak about it now, to listen to it. Put ourselves in the shoes of Ibrahim wasalam. At that time, he had no idea what is going to be the end result. That this knife won't cut. That moment he knew that this knife will cut. Ismail wasalam, is being told, Inni arafil manami anni mada tara. I'm seeing you being slaughtered. This is a dream that I saw. What do you want to say? Why is he saying this to him? To mentally prepare him that this has to happen. But Ismail also was of that caliber. Because his father is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. His dream is wahi. And this is a command of Allah Ta'ala. Ya abatif alma tu'mar satajiduni insha'allahu minas sabirin. My father, you do what you have been ordered to do. And not just you go ahead and do it. And I will try and run away. No, no. Satajiduni insha'Allah minas sabirin. You'll find me to be patient in this. Because the command of Allah Ta'ala is above everything. Your submission, my submission also. Falamma aslama wa tallahu liljabeen. Wa nadeinahu ayya Ibrahim. Qad saddaqta ru'ya inna kadalika nadzil muhsinin. Falamma aslama. When both of them submitted completely. Total submission to Allah Ta'ala. Now this is the aspect and the meaning of Allah Ta'ala is more beloved to a person than everybody else. Nabi Islam is more beloved than everyone else. And this was displayed by Ibrahim Islam and his family. The love of Allah Ta'ala dominant above everything. Above the father's love for his son. Above the son's love for his father. Above the mother's love for her child. For her husband. Above everything is the love of Allah Ta'ala. And when the love of Allah Ta'ala is settled in the heart, a person then is most concerned about what will please Allah Ta'ala. Whatever I want to do, I will want to first check that what will please Allah Ta'ala. 
So now he comes to know what will please Allah Ta'ala is that which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did. And how he did it. And the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is what is, is what will please Allah Ta'ala. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَخْفِلْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says that announce to them, say to them, that if you claim to love Allah Ta'ala, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told to tell them, فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow me, follow in my footsteps. يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Allah will love you. And Allah will forgive you. So now the person came to know that this is what will earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So now everything will be the concern is how did Rasulullah Sallallahu do this? What was his way of life? And that is what I want to do. That is how I want to live my day. That is how I want to live my night. That is how I want to have my wedding. And that is how my funeral or anybody's funeral in my family will be conducted. The child has been born. What is Nabi Sallallahu teachings regarding that moment, that occasion? What should be done? What are the rights to be observed? And that's how I will do it. And if it's now from the cradle to the grave, then that too, how did Nabi Sallallahu go about it? And what he shunned, I will shun. What is the way of those who oppose him? He will obviously be displeased with that. I am displeased with it also. This becomes the situation of a person in whose heart this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala has settled. Man kaan Allah wa rasooluhu ahabba ilayhi mimma siwahuma. That he loves Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa more than everybody else. Now this is a clash that keeps coming in our lives. That somebody else's love is demanding something that is against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. Against the way of Rasulullah sallallahu But this is the challenge of life. Allah Ta'ala is our creator. Allah Ta'ala is our sustainer. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with everything. Allah Ta'ala is our nourisher. Every moment we are breathing this air for free from Allah Ta'ala. Shaykh Saadi Alhamdulillah he says on every breath, on every breath, two shukar is wajib. That one is for being able to breathe it in. If a person who could not breathe in, that would spell death. So now he managed to breathe in, so that already one shukar is wajib on that. And then if that breath went in and he could not exhale, he could not breathe out, that too will spell death for him, eventually. So that same breath that went in now, when it came out, that... Another shukar is wajib on that. For one breath, there's two shukar. And now if he's going to verbally express that shukar, he's going to have to breathe for that. So this will continue till infinity. That he will never be able to fulfill the shukar, even of just the breath. Let alone the rest of it. What about his eyes, his ears, his tongue, the heart Allah Ta'ala blessed him with, the mind, with which he then becomes sometimes very proud, I did this, my intelligence, my thinking, but Allah Ta'ala forbid some little bit something just, one small tumor happens somewhere, what happened to all the intelligence and all the mind, one little stroke happens and the person now can't even say anything, he can't move, a person has to be forever conscious that everything is purely the ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Nothing is his achievement. We are all the very humble slaves of Allah Ta'ala, nothing else. So now when a person has acquired this love of Allah Ta'ala and he has understood that the way of Rasulullah is what is going to bring this pleasure and happiness of Allah Ta'ala, this is the path he wants to follow. He will now give preference to that over the love of everyone else. He will give preference to that over whatever he desires. He will start loving those who he sometimes wants to even maybe hate. If that is what's going to please Allah Ta'ala. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq there was a person who was known by the name of Mista, who was his cousin. He was very close to him and it was his cousin. He was a muhajir also. So obviously that gave him even a greater rank. But unfortunately somehow when the incident happened where Sayyidah Aisha anha was slandered it was a very difficult moment. For almost a month this situation continued. There was no wahi upon Rasulullah in this regard. 
So Rasulullah was also not sure what is the thing to do really. And the slander became a major problem. The munafiqeen were responsible for this and they began spreading the slander. It's a lengthy incident just to take the main part of it. But unfortunately as it often happens, that when there's some baseless thing carrying on, some rumor circulating around, some slander against somebody, but as it starts doing the rounds, then our person heard something, as soon as he heard it, it still didn't even go through his ears properly, he's already talking about it. And now that starts, he becomes part of the media for it. And in the times that we live, something comes round on his screen, and then he just presses one button. Forward to all. One button. Or some group. So now in one press of one button sometimes, either he has committed hundred bohtan, if it was a slander, or the press of one button, even if it was true, he committed hundred ghibat. And that one ghibat is worse than committing zina with one's mother. Ghibat ashaddu mina zina, worse than committing zina. The sin of interest is worse than committing zina with one's mother. So in any case, now with one press of one button, he committed hundred ghibat, maybe two hundred ghibat, and then that's going to spread further. This is a very, very dangerous thing that a person just keeps forwarding anything and everything. In fact, he shouldn't even read something that doesn't concern him. Any gossip, this he's got, he's got no time for this. One person very recently mentioned, Alhamdulillah, I now have time for my tilawat, have time for my zikr, for my tasbihat, which I just could not get time for before. So what changed? So the only thing changed is, I deleted my WhatsApp. So now I don't know what's happening, because what's happening is gone. So now I got time for tilawat, I got time for zikr, I got time for dua. Otherwise there was just no, not time for, the main things in life there was no time for. And for the gossip of the whole dunya there was time for. So, any case the slander started doing the rounds and two or three sincere Muslims, this was something was a whole doing of the munafiqeen, two or three sincere Muslims, but they unwittingly got caught up in this. And they also started mentioning it to others. One of those people was Mista, radiallahu anhu. But for a period of time, the reality was not yet revealed, though Nabi Islam had full confidence. The Muslims had full confidence, obviously. But how do you say something when there's no verification? Eventually, after a good amount of time had passed, Allah Ta'ala revealed an entire ruku of the Qur'an Sharif, which spelt out the chastity of Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, and what her great rank is, and that mujahada she made, she became so ill, that when she heard, this is what is being spoken about me, she fell unconscious first. And then from that moment, from the time she heard that, she would continuously be crying, she couldn't eat one morsel, she couldn't sleep one wing, and this carried on for days on end. Now can we imagine, what a situation this is. And Abu Bakr is her father, can you imagine what the parents go through in such a situation? Eventually, after this whole time had passed, and this ruku was revealed, where this became very clear that this is just the mischief-making of the munafiqeen, and Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah is totally pure of all this. So Abu Bakr was very disturbed and hurt. Obviously, he was hurt. He's seeing his daughter go through this terrible situation and terrible torment and pain. So at that, that time he took a qasam, when, this, when the truth was revealed now. He took a qasam, because he was so disturbed over what happened, and now one of the people that was involved was Mista, his own cousin. In our terminology we will say now, this person stabbed me in the back. He took a qasam and said, I will never give Mista one thing anymore, one cent. And he took a qasam and said it. But the sahaba kiram were no ordinary people. They were those personalities whose tarbiyat Allah Ta'ala made. 
the ayat of the Quran Sharif is revealed. For the tarbiyat of Siddiq Akbar radiallahu anhu. وَلَا يَأْتَ لِأُلُوا الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَنْ يُؤْتُوا أُلِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْيَعْفُوا وَالْيَسْفَحُوا Allah Ta'ala says that those who have been blessed with virtue Allah Ta'ala's fazal they should not take such a qasam that they will not give to the to their relatives Mista was his relative that they will not give to the to the poor and needy they will not give to the muhajireen. No, no, they should not do this. Allah Ta'ala has blessed them. They should not make such, take such oaths. What they should do? Wal-ya'fu wal-yasfahu. They should forgive and overlook. Allah Ta'ala then poses a question. Allah tuhibbuna iyaghfirallahu lakum? Do you not love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive you? Now, we also heard this ayat now. We heard it many times before also. But what effect did it bring in our hearts? But when this ayat was revealed, and it primarily referred to Hazrat Abu Bakr So somebody came and related this to him, that this is the ayat that has been revealed. And now, he's still fresh in the situation. It's just happened. And he's just taken this qasam. And the hurt and pain is still very fresh. And now this ayat is revealed. You should not take such a qasam. You should forgive and overlook. Don't you love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive you? His spontaneous response. Why? Because the love of Allah Ta'ala was dominant over his own feelings. Over his own emotions. Over what he wanted to love and what he wanted to dislike. Above that was the love of Allah Ta'ala. He was wanting to have nothing to do break away, disassociate himself from Mista. Allah Ta'ala is saying, no, don't do this. His spontaneous response, I love that Allah Ta'ala should, I want one that Allah Ta'ala should love me, should forgive me, so therefore I am forgiving Mista. Not only forgiving him, I will now double what I used to give him. This is, man kana Allah wa rasooluhu ahabba ilayhi mimma siwahuma. The love of Allah Ta'ala is more dominant than everything else. More dominant than even a person's own emotions and feelings. That now he loves somebody, he loves somebody because Allah Ta'ala is going to be pleased with that. And if he dislikes somebody, that too is only because Allah Ta'ala wants him to dislike that. Not for any other reason. And therefore the next aspect that is mentioned in this Hadith Sharif is, وَأَيُّحِبَّ الْمَرْأَ لَا يُحِبُّهُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ that these three things that will acquire the sweetness of Iman. This is the first aspect. The second aspect, that he loves somebody, he loves somebody, only for Allah Ta'ala. There is no nafsaniyat in it. It's not for the sake of some ulterior motive. It is not for the sake of some politics. It's not for the sake of some kind of just making contact for now so that it will become useful for me later. No, it's pure, it's sincere for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So though this, this is sometimes a natural level of love, his love for his parents, his love for his children, the love for the spouse, the love for his family members, but he will govern that love within the limits that Allah Ta'ala has set. Because this love will be for Allah Ta'ala. Though it's natural, but when he governs it within the boundaries that Allah Ta'ala has placed around him, that now becomes a love for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. He doesn't allow that love to transgress the limits of Allah Ta'ala. So if there's some demand from anybody to do something that Allah Ta'ala is displeased with, then that will not be obeyed. Then he will only submit to what Allah Ta'ala wants. So he loves somebody only for Allah Ta'ala. One of the indications that this love is for Allah Ta'ala alone. The muhaddisin explain, Allah yazida bil bir wala yanqusa bil jafa If the person does some favor for him, that doesn't increase his love, because already there. He's not loving the person for the sake of favors. He's loving him for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And the person treated him sometimes negatively by chance or whatever, that too doesn't decrease the love. Because that love was for Allah Ta'ala. So, he might be 
maybe displeased with whatever happened, and being insan for that moment, he would be maybe a little bit upset, he's human, he's been given three days to recover from that, but within that time, everything will take its place, because his love was for Allah Ta'ala. His love wasn't for the sake of any other motive and objective. So this is the aspect that the Beast Lassam says, And the third aspect mentioned in this Hadith Sharif is that that after Allah Ta'ala has saved him from kufr, now one is a person Allah forbid, was in a state of kufr, Allah Ta'ala gave him tawfiq of iman. The other situation is that, mashallah, he was born in a Muslim home, he grew up with iman, so Allah Ta'ala saved him from iman entirely, from kufr entirely, gave him iman from day one. So now that he has been saved from kufr, he detests going back to kufr like a person detests being thrown into a fire. If somebody is being dragged towards a fire, he'll do whatever is in his, posi- posi- uh, in his capacity, whatever he's able to do to try and save himself from that. He cannot bear one moment that he'll be thrown into that fire. So one is the fire of kufr, which is obviously a, the worst kind of fire. But all sins are branches of kufr. Like we get branches of iman. So that's not iman in itself, but it's a branch of iman. So a person has that branch of iman, mashallah, he's got something good. But if he doesn't have iman in itself, that's not going to gain him salvation in dunya or akhirat. Person has, for example, compassion. Compassion is a branch of iman. So mashallah, he's got something very good. But if he's got kufr in his heart, Compassion alone won't take him to Jannat. He has to have Iman also. So likewise, sins are branches of Kufr. It doesn't mean a person committed sin, he's committed Kufr. But, just as Kufr takes a person to a fire, perpetually, sins also take a person to the fire of Jahannam, though with the blessing of Iman, if he left with Iman, he'll go to Jannat. He'll eventually go to Jannat. But it's nevertheless fire. Now, just as a person detests fire, he will detest sin. That I cannot bear going near fire, so I cannot bear going near sin also. Insan is insan, he can slip, but if he slipped and fell, he'll jump out of there like he'll jump out of a fire if he fell in it. How he'll jump out? He'll be restless completely, he'll make sincere toba immediately. He will not feel at ease at all. That how could I have done this? He's insan, he can slip. Insan is insan. He's not an angel. He can fall. He's walking carefully and he can fall. But when he falls, because he is detesting that fire, he will hop and run from there. And it will not allow him to rest until he has totally freed himself from the effect of that fire. This will be the tears of repentance that he will shed. The tawbah that he will make. He'll turn back to Allah wa ta'ala. Now when this has come into his life, these three aspects has been acquired. Allah and his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi beloved to him. And everybody else. He loves somebody that love is sincere. It is for Allah Ta'ala alone. And he detests sin, he detests kufr, like he detests fire. What this will bring? It will bring halawat imani. It will bring the sweetness of iman. And sweetness, the very word already starts making a person feel sweet. Imagine feeling the sweetness of iman in his heart. Dunya is dunya. Dunya is a place of challenge. The place where there is no test, no trial, no challenge, no difficulty, no grief, no illness, no pain, no sorrow. That place is called Jannat. And the place where there is perpetual pain and suffering and agony and torment, that place is called Jahannam. Dunya is neither Jannat, and nor is it Jahannam. But there is a very, very, very minimal sample of both places in dunya. All the ni'mats and bounties, the fruits Allah Ta'ala has blessed us in dunya, all the various ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala, 
these are all very, very minute fraction of a fraction of samples of what is for the believers in Jannat. It's nowhere close to the reality, but in Jannat also they will remember we were blessed with something like this which appeared like it. That they will say that this is something similar to what we got in dunya, but when they will taste it, they'll say that what we had in dunya was no comparison to this. But likewise, the pains, etc., this is a very slight sample of Jahannam. But now in this dunya, a person, there is a mixture of both. Even those who are pious also, they will also face all these little pains and challenges sometimes, as a test from Allah Ta'ala. And those who are disbelievers also, they also seem to have comforts and luxuries. But if a person truly has this halawat of Iman, it is like a person who is in pain, but somebody has put a balm, some ointment over that aching area, and that covers the pain. The pain now is suddenly seeming to be something comforted. When a person has the love of Allah wa ta'ala in his heart, being insan, he also feels a grief, he feels pain, he feels sorrow, he feels hurt, he feels all these things. All these emotions that every insan feels, he feels also. But on top of all that, the soothing balm of the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala comes. And he is able to go through the challenges of life without giving, getting overwhelmed by that. And while he also will feel pain, but when he will turn his attention towards Allah wa Ta'ala, then that pain also will become something that will be just in the background. He'll be comforted by the closeness of Allah wa Ta'ala. So this is this Mubarak time giving us the same lesson. All the incidents of Sayyidina Ibrahim والسلام, this lesson of Qurbani, the various lessons in the entire ibadat of Hajj, all this is bringing, bringing to our hearts and minds this aspect of muhabbat. That this is the energy from inside. And to the extent that this energy is existing, then one is that a person will truly start obeying Allah wa ta'ala, not just obeying Allah ta'ala, he will be eager to obey Allah Ta'ala. He will stay far away from sin, not just stay far away from sin, he will be happy to stay far away from sin. Hazrat Ali used to give an example that a person, Allah forbid, somebody went and did something, he, a whole bundle of notes he went and stole from somewhere. Oh, it was counterfeit money. And now he's going, driving along with that counterfeit money. And Suddenly somebody sent him a message that you are being followed. They already caught up with you. You got this counterfeit money with you. So you're going to be arrested. As soon as they catch up with you, you're going to be arrested. So now as he's driving and this worry gets hold of him that now how do I save myself? And as he's driving past, he sees one open drain. So he just quickly stops and he dumps that whole bag of money inside there. And now this, he's dumping it. He's only going to lose it. But he's giving dua to the person who left that drain open. Oh Allah forbid, the person who maybe he pinched that drain cover for himself. But he's giving dua to that person too. Now he's dumping this. This was apparently first a means of great joy for him. That this is going to do so much for me. Now he's dumping it. And in dumping it he's feeling very happy. That this evidence is gone. So now I won't get arrested. But now that's exactly the point. That when a person the true love of Allah Ta'ala comes in his heart. And at the same time, the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Then he will dump sin, and he will feel happy about dumping it. That this is something that was going to lead to my destruction. This was something that was going to ruin my dunya and akhirat. And that is the thing that when a person gets caught up in the trap of sin, then this starts bringing the covers of darkness on the heart. The heart gets engulfed in darknesses. When the heart is engulfed in darknesses, as in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, person commits a sin, then a dark spot appears on the heart. Another sin, another dark spot. A third sin, a third dark spot. If you made istighfar, tawbah, it gets washed off. Otherwise, eventually the whole heart gets engulfed in darkness. Now the heart is engulfed in darkness, the mind takes its inspiration from the heart. When the heart is engulfed in darkness, in a dark room a person can't see anything. He can't see where he's going to walk. He might bump into the pillar. He might trip, fall, hurt himself. Whether he's picking up a stick or picking up a snake, he has no idea. 
Now the heart is engulfed in darkness, the mind cannot get any inspiration. The person's thinking gets stunted. He cannot think straight. Now he knows, he knows for sure that this is something destructive. This will ruin my marriage. It will disgrace me. It will take everything away. My dunya will go, my akhirat will go. But now that darknesses of sin doesn't allow him to think straight still. That he can see everything. But now he's still indulging in that. And first he was hiding and doing it, now he's sitting in front of his wife and looking at the haram. And on top of that he'll threaten her that you do want you, you want to say anything, then I'll divorce you. But how long is it going to remain under the lid? Somewhere that's going to explode. When it explodes, it'll be too late. But now, why can't he think for himself? That's the effect of the zulmat of sin. Whereas righteousness, ibadat, tilawat, zikr, staying away from haram, making mujahada, all this brings a noor in the heart. That noor in the heart enlightens the mind also. Ittaqu firasat al-mu'min fa'innahu yanzuru bi noorillah. Nabi Islam says, fear the intelligence of a true mu'min. He sees with the noor that Allah Ta'ala blesses him. So this is the person will feel happy of dumping away the sun. And he'll feel happy to take on that little effort, whatever it might be, to fulfill whatever the commands of Allah Ta'ala. So in this time, this is that Mubarak time that we are in. This is the lesson that we have been given, this lesson of muhabbat, in filling our hearts with the love of Allah Ta'ala and living this life of ours in this connection with Allah Ta'ala. For this we have to make time. We have to go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, be in the environment of deen, be in the company of the Ahlullah, be in the company of the pious and the righteous, spend time in the masjid, in the efforts of, in the amal of deen, in the talim that takes place. In all these amal, this noor will develop and it will dispel this darkness. And together with the guidance of our ulama and mashayikh, inshallah we'll find that we'll be able to step forward and get closer to Allah wa ta'ala. Jannat is waiting for the pious servants of Allah ta'ala. Even dunya will become a kind of jannat for the person. Allah wa ta'ala give me and all of us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.